All right, guys, welcome to today's episode of Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, an interview with Arkansas head coach Eric Musselman. Uh, as most of you know, I also host a national college basketball podcast, Marching to Madness, and anytime we do uh, SEC-related interviews on there, I always share them here on the Locked On SEC Podcast. And so we caught up with Eric Musselman to talk about um, how he's approaching uh, this unique offseason in college basketball, uh, what it's been like uh, for he and his staff, uh, and uh, looking at how some of these potential changes Changes like to the NBA draft could affect college basketball. Uh, he went into that, uh, some very good insight from someone who obviously has coached at the NBA level uh, and understands that, you know, the draft process probably as good as anyone, uh, what potential changes there could be and how uh, it could impact college basketball heading into next season. Uh, he also talked about what it was like talking to his team after the SEC tournament was canceled due to the coronavirus situation uh, because they were, you know, in a spot to be able to play their way into the NCAA tournament. Uh, He talked about the emotions behind uh, addressing his team and really just reflecting on his first season there in Fayetteville, what the biggest takeaways were for him, uh, you know, to have a player like Mason Jones uh, become one of the top players in college basketball, really, when you think about what he was able to accomplish individually, but also uh, what that did to, to help the Razorbacks put themselves in a position uh, to have a chance to to play their way into the NCAA tournament. So uh, great insight as always. Uh, he's one of the best when it comes to breaking down the game, uh, and that that is no different. Uh, anytime you talk to him, just someone who, who has you know been around in the NBA, college basketball, um, is able to really uh, you know give some very fascinating insight, and he did that uh, here once again. So without any further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Arkansas head coach Eric Musselman. All right, guys, welcome back to the Marching to Madness podcast. We're excited to welcome back Arkansas head coach, Eric Musselman. And coach, uh, obviously, you know, we're going through a a unique situation here, I think, for everyone, not just sports related, but, um, you know, there's lots of stuff going on around the world right now. And we talked to you before we came on. Uh, You mentioned you guys still working hard. I'm just curious, I guess, you know, how are you guys adapting to this right now? What's been your approach as you've gone throughout this situation? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, most people are, are working from home and, and, uh, but we're in the middle of obviously transfer, uh, season and, and, um, you know, names are popping up in this portal, uh, on a minute by minute basis. And, and you've got to try to manage your roster. And, um, obviously there's the early entry NBA, uh, decisions and, and, and whether players are going to put their names in and, and then once, or if a player puts his name in, then there becomes, um, you know, a, a fact gathering process. So uh, really, although most of the world is, has kind of um, stopped and there's no games and such on TV, um, I have found myself probably um, working as hard in the last week to 10 days um, as, as I have at, at any point during the year. So, um, you know, I think that, that, that when you do have uh, players that, that are looking at testing the waters, um, you know, from a roster standpoint, there's certainly uh, decisions and stuff like that that, uh, that you got up on your whiteboard and, and you're going through a whole bunch of different scenarios. Coach, follow up on that. You know, we had talked about that. I know a lot of people have mentioned it, national analysts and such, maybe how this this change in the NBA draft process, because we know, you know, there are going to be less of these in-person combines seemingly, and the process itself is going to be different. 
Do you anticipate, you know, maybe that resulting in some bigger changes in terms of maybe the guys, uh, you know, that could have been those second round type of picks wind up coming back to score? Do you think there are any significant impacts on that? I mean, I think everybody's got their own opinion because nobody really knows what's going to happen except Adam Silver inside of his league office. And I'm sure they don't even know just based on, you know, things change right now. Um, with, with with the virus on a, on a minute-by-minute, day-by-day basis. So I think a lot of it's speculation. Uh, having talked to a lot of people that, have, that are, have been friends of mine for a very long time that are in NBA organizations, I do think they'll start doing uh, interviews uh, via whether it's Skype or FaceTime. I think that's one way that they'll start this draft process. Um, you know, obviously the draft date, nothing's been changed as of now. Some people think that, you know, it will change. Some people think that it won't change because it would be something uh, from a TV standpoint that, that could drive, um, you know, numbers up ratings wise if it, if, if the draft stays. So I, I have no idea. I think it's all, like I said, speculation that, you know, the good thing with the, you know, with the testing, the waters thing is we had uh, four players go through that process. Um, at Nevada, Jordan Caroline, um, both Martin twins and Cameron Oliver. I think the big thing is, you know, everybody has their own opinion on if a player has college eligibility, whether they should come back. Everybody's situation um, becomes different. Some players want to start their pro career as quickly as they can. Um, because I spent so much time in the minor leagues, I have my own opinion uh, on how difficult it is um, if you're not a first round draft pick, um, certainly by coming back to school, uh, it really truly benefited Cody and, and Caleb Martin, um, to get another year experience and help them to go through the draft process. But, you know, now you're talking about, you know, potentially not having, uh, the individual workouts in front of NBA people, uh, that becomes problematic for players that need that format, um, to play in front of guys. Um, you know, and again, it's, I, I can only you know, speak as if, as if one of my sons was in that position. Um, and my advice would be to, if you're a first round draft pick, um, to, to, to go and, 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 and play in the NBA, if you're not a first round draft pick, um, you know, I would suggest you go back, you continue your education. Um, cause, cause at the end of the day, the basketball is going to stop, um, you know, sometime between, when a player is 32, say, and 38, um, and then and then you're back in the real world, and, and sometimes the education piece and having a college degree gets lost in all this. Uh, and I know how hard it is for NBA second rounders. I you know I I, I hear and study and listen to people say, well, if you're going to get drafted, you should come out. Uh, I don't I don't know if those same people are doing studies on what second round players career looks like over a 10 year time mm-hmm. frame because you would hope with any player that his ultimate goal is not to get a summer league jersey from an NBA team or not to get a practice jersey for training camp in September you would hope that player's ultimate goal is to try to make a career of the NBA and so um you know and those are some of the things that we had an opportunity to talk to our guys about at Nevada um, you know, that become really important in, in this whole process. Coming up, uh, Eric Musselman's thoughts on what it was like uh, to have to address his team 
after the SEC tournament was canceled. Uh, we remember they played in what was the, the final game of the SEC tournament this year uh, in the Wednesday night game uh, against Vanderbilt. They won that game, had the opportunity to keep playing, uh, but uh, he went into what it was like just talking to his teams and really what was a very emotional uh, conversation he had with his players uh, knowing that they were having an opportunity to potentially make the NCAA tournament with a couple more wins. Uh, and uh, where his players are at right now, uh, the academic aspect of it, uh, and all that. And we'll get into it coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Coach, uh, circling back around, you know, all three of us here, we were in Nashville here um, when, when all of this kind of started and we saw the SEC tournament come to a halt, uh, you know, basically after your guys' game uh, against Vanderbilt. Uh, just the, the emotions, maybe just how that entire sequence played out. And I know the emotions of the players, uh, that was something that lots of coaches were talking about after the tournament halted, knowing that there's a bigger problem in the world. Uh, obviously, everyone understands that. But maybe what what was that like for you as a coach, um, you know, to address that with your players right after maybe everything sort of started to unfold there? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's interesting the different perspectives as as that was happening in live time because, you know, we, we had played a game with, with fans um, that first night against Vanderbilt in the S- SEC tournament. And so we as a group were kind of wrapped up in uh, preparation. Uh, how do we advance? Uh, the NCAA tournament um, – was was a goal that we were a, a game or two away from after we had beaten Vanderbilt, um, but and I think that some other people, maybe even some other SEC teams that hadn't played, uh, that were in their whole hotel room the day of the game that we played, they were kind of seeing what was going on with the real world. So they might have had a little bit more apprehension. They might have had a little bit more um, fear of what was going on. Um, for our guys, you know, we, we finished the game. We Obviously, when you win a game in, in, a, in a tournament setting, you're excited about the next opportunity to go compete the next day. You start your preparation. Um, we ate after our game. We had an eight, you know, we had a late game. So by the time we got back, ate with our basketball team, uh, started a little bit of prep for South Carolina. The staff stayed in the hotel room, put uh, poster boards up all over of, of our prep for, for the next morning. Uh, we had an 11 o'clock breakfast. I got a phone call at 1055 from our athletic director who informed us that we would not be playing. The guys all came down at 11 with their scouting reports in hand um, and notes on South Carolina. And, you know, we had to tell them uh, we were not going to play and that the season was over and, and uh, you know, started off kind of a business-like approach uh, and then started thanking the guys for the season and laying the foundation for our first year and what the seniors meant to our program. And um, I broke down crying and, you know, just looking at their faces, knowing that, um, you know, that this thing was, was coming to a halt um, and the seniors played their last collegiate game. And then some of the guys got a little bit emotional. So by far uh, really Blake and Ken, that was the hardest team meeting that I've ever been a part of. Coach, those players uh, on your roster, I, w- I was curious, are, are, were they able to make it to their homes or are they still in the Fayetteville area? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Ken. Every, everybody's, everybody had an opportunity to leave. Um, we had one player, Adriel Bailey, who just went back to uh, Louisiana two days ago. Um, Jimmy Witt is still here in Fayetteville, but he's getting ready to head back to Missouri um, tomorrow. 
everybody else is home safe. We talk to our players on a daily basis. More than one person checks in with them. Our trainer, our strength coach, our academic advisor, the assistant coaches, they all have pods uh, where players are divided into four-man groups where our guy, where they're responsible. Um, I'm texting guys on, on assignments that they have academically because the biggest thing that's gotten lost in this whole process is our players are now doing their academics um, in a different way. So many guys are used to going in class where there's an uh, uh, interpersonal relationship with the teacher where you can ask questions, where you can go into an academic center um, and sit down and have a team study hall or individual study hall. That's all gone. And so now the responsibility falls on the individual player uh, to have great discipline, set aside a time of when he's working on his academics. Um, and, and all this stuff is new, not only not only for the Arkansas Razorback basketball program, but but all of our athletes at, at Arkansas and athletes all the way across the country. Coach, I, I was just uh, thinking, too, about, you know, everybody knows that any program, you know, they have a huge reach in a community. Uh, just some things maybe you guys were doing to help out there in uh, the area. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, listening and adhering to, you know, to what, to what, you know, everybody is telling us to do and trying to educate our players and, and try to lead by example. And, um, you know, we're, we're getting together actually today to, to, to do something on social media from an education standpoint. Our athletic director just reached out to four of the head coaches that are, that are going to uh, partake in an, in an educational format to, to try to help um, kind of spread the word on on what we need to be doing from a health standpoint. So I think that, you know, that's really all we can do because, you know, everybody is kind of being as isolated as they possibly can. Coming up, uh, Eric Musselman discusses uh, his biggest takeaways from his first season on the job there with the Razorbacks, uh, a team that started off very strong, um, had some ups and downs in SEC play uh, with Isaiah Joe out of the lineup, uh, but ultimately, again, had a chance uh, to make the NCAA tournament. uh, And his thoughts on Mason Jones just putting on a terrific show uh, the entire season and and really just transforming himself uh, into one of the top players in college basketball. We'll get into that coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Coach, uh, I know as we said that the season came to an abrupt end, but but as you you know look and kind of reflect on your first season there, you guys uh, obviously you know got off to a great start. I know we we talk about that stretch without Isaiah Joe on the floor where things were a little bit up and down, but really you know you guys persevered. You were able to like we said really be probably a couple wins away from making the NCAA tournament. Um, as you maybe just look back, and I know you'll have more time to do this as you go throughout the off season and focus on next season. Uh, what what were maybe the biggest takeaways for you from this first season there? Yeah, we, I was so proud of what we did, especially non-conference. We got out of the gate so well. Big win at Indiana, which is always hard to win at Assembly Hall. Good win against Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Um, and Georgia Tech, you know, as the season progressed, people started to understand uh, the type of talent that Josh had there. and um, So a really good non-conference uh, that we were proud of. I thought we, I thought we were ready for conference play. Uh, and then the injury, you know, we were, we were doing fine. We were in a really good spot. Obviously Isaiah Joe, I mean, he, he missed the games that we all know about, but what people don't know about is he tried to play through the 
knee injury for, for, for two games. And, 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 and that limited his um, ability to affect games the way that he can. And so it was really not just the games that we lost, but it was also that entire group, that entire group of what we, uh, you know, what we tried to go through when he was, when he was healthy. So, um, you know, but, but a great year, I think any time that you can win 20 games, uh, in your first year in a conference like the SEC, and then, you know, we put together our non-conference schedule so that we can make an NCAA tournament. And we were still in that running because of our non-conference schedule and what we did um, by some of the games that I mentioned. And then um, Anthony Ruda, who does our scheduling, did a phenomenal job of looking at teams that we thought could win their prospective league or play really well. And so, you know, a a home win against Tulsa was a great win uh, because they had a phenomenal season. And, And then playing you know, like Northern Kentucky is a team that had a really, really good season. So by playing some of those teams that, that were at the top of their conference, North Texas had a phenomenal year. Um, that really, really helped solidify our strength of schedule, which I think was 12th in the entire country non-conference. Um, so so we, had, we feel like we had a great year. We feel like we laid down a foundation of a team. I played with great energy and great effort and, and enthusiasm as well. Coach, uh, Mason Jones, certainly one of my favorite players in the country. He's one of five finalists for the Jerry West Award, which is a prestigious award, you know, for the top shooting guard in the nation. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, he had a great year. I think some of the things that, that he really did phenomenally, obviously he led, he led the nation in free throws attempted. He led the nation in free throws made. Uh, so people look at that. Like it's a offensive statistic, but it really helps your defense. When you draw FTAs, it stops the game. Your defense can get set up. Uh, the opposition's not coming out of flow. So uh, just his ability to draw fouls, I was actually just on a conference call with Jerry West and his uh, committee uh, that's voting on, on who will win uh, the award. And, you know, like the, the really cool thing about that, too, is just you know, being able to educate Mason on who Jerry West is and how great a player he was and what a great honor it is and what Jerry West means um, to the game of basketball. All those things become important lessons as well for, for, for a young student athlete. Coach, I'll give you a statistic here real quick. Um, I've been to the NCAA tournament every year somewhere for the last 39 years it's since I was a freshman in high school. You know, it, it, it's a rite of spring, so it really makes you stand back and think about how thankful you are and how much appreciation you have for things like sports you just maybe take for granted. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, just to hear, you know, friends or family members talk about what the game of sport means to people from an entertainment standpoint. I think right now with nothing on TV – you know, really, you guys, it's showing us the impact from an entertainment standpoint, um, you know, of how powerful sport really is in, in not just, you know, the United States, but 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 worldwide. Coach, uh, we always enjoy the conversation. I know uh, I shared the article that uh, Dane O'Neill did in The Athletic. I thought that was one of the best things I've read thus far about uh, coaches' wives and how they are uh, responding to having their husbands home. So we hope that uh, your lovely wife, Danielle, is continuing to put up with you at home there. 
Yeah, she is. She's doing the best she can, and, and um, that's not always easy. Sometimes I get kicked out of the house two or three times, and she tells me to, to go walk the dog again. So the dog gets about 32 walks a day. <laughs> He's going to be in shape for sure. You might be able to add him to the roster. <laughs> yeah, the dog and I will be in great shape by the end of this thing. There yes. you go. Coach, uh, we always enjoy it. Thanks, as always. Look forward to talking to you again here soon. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate you having me on. All right, that was the conversation with Arkansas head coach Eric Musselman. Uh, and again, I, I thought it was very fascinating just to, to hear his insight into how they're approaching this situation as coaches. Uh, there are transfers all over the place. We know that. Uh, and we know that Eric Musselman is someone who has had a lot of success with transfers. So no surprise that they are making that a main focus, especially with, uh, you know, potentially transfers picking up this offseason um, just because, you know, there, there are lots of different, um, you know, situations going on in terms of coaches not being able to meet with their players. Um, maybe that leads to more transfers. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, but uh, there's no doubt that, that there are lots of teams around uh, looking at the potential options when it comes to transfers because there is uncertainty with recruiting as well and how coaches uh, are approaching that. Uh, another unique set of circumstances there. But I also thought um, you know, his insight into the potential changes in the NBA draft process, those could be the ones that that really, um, you know, could could really impact the rosters going into next season. And as he said, none of us really know how this whole thing is going to play out at this point. We don't know uh, what the the biggest changes are going to be when it comes to the NBA draft, but we do know that it's very unlikely that you're going to have these in-person combines and all that. And so that's going to, you know, put the the communication aspect of all this with with scouts and players uh, and all that, that's going to make that the biggest priority because you don't have that that in-person situation where you can watch these guys play in these combine settings um, and so that's going to make it you know very interesting to see um, maybe how it does affect some of these players that, that we thought were, were going to go to the NBA or pursue professional opportunities does that result in them coming back to college for another season that's what we're going to find out what the entire impact is going to be on the NBA draft. Um, so uh, really great insight from him. And again, uh, the Razorbacks did have success in his first season on the job, and uh, they have a lot of momentum that they can build off of knowing um, that uh, they could bring back a really good group of players heading into next season as well as add uh, a very good recruiting class right now and not knowing exactly what transfers they could land. Um, that could uh, put the Razorbacks, uh, I think, right there as a, a preseason top 25 team for sure and uh, a team that could be an SEC title contender uh, heading into next season but uh, thanks again to Arkansas head coach Eric Musma for joining us on the podcast and uh, be sure to subscribe head over any podcast app you use just search for Lockdown SEC and again if you enjoy the show uh, be sure to leave a nice five-star rating review that just helps the show reach more people for everything else you can follow me on Twitter at the Blake level and uh, as we continue to say if you're excited for the upcoming NFL draft you want some great coverage just tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Draft Dudes for great NFL draft coverage. But thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs>